0: Amen. So, we are in the 11th day of 2013. This is the 11th day of 2013. Uh, uh, A lot of people have this uh, habit to make goals for themselves at the beginning of a year. I actually did some research. I said, I'm going to throw some statistics at you. I'm going to do it. I did some research, and I found out that about half of Americans make resolutions for themselves at the beginning of the year. About half. 46% said they do it for sure, and then a big percent said they sometimes do it, so I just kind of took a conservative number, about half. About half. The population of America is just over 300,000. Once again, just to be conservative, let's just say 300,000. 300 million, sorry, man. If we had 300,000, we'd be in trouble. (laughs) 300 million, thank you. Okay, now, simple math. If every one of those people only makes one resolution for the year which I'm sure there are people who make more than one. Once again, let's just be conservative. Let's just say they make one resolution. That is 150 million resolutions that are set every year about. Now, after two weeks, which is about where we are right now, about 71% of those uh, resolutions are still going. That means 29% are done. 29% of the people gave up. They don't want anything to do with it. 71 is still going after two weeks. After a month, when February starts, only about 64% remain. After six months, we're talking beginning of July here, 46% are left. So more than half have already gone. People gave up. By the end of the year, what percentage do you think are, are actually successful? Five, five, four, fifteen. 15. Oh, you are optimistic. I like that. You guys are all. Eight. Eight percent of all resolutions are actually successful. Ninety-two percent failed. And that's only assuming that everyone makes one resolution a year. I mean, we're talking about there's people who make like five and they fail all five of them. But we're just being conservative here. Now, let's say you take a test in school and you get 8% on it. Are your parents going to be happy with that? Oh, no, they're going to they whip you. They gonna, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you bring 8% on a test, they're going to whip you. Now, if we take away all the zeros so it's not complicated and say, you know, there's 150 resolution instead of 150 million so we don't get confused, 150, only 12 12 is the number that actually are successful. 12. Now, who has set goals for themselves this year? Who said, you know what, I want to achieve this this year? Okay, a good number of us. Now, the odds are against us. Odds are against us. Only 8% actually are successful. But you know what Philippians 4.13 says? I can do all things through Christ. You know, those 8% are probably all the Christians who got Jesus living inside. Now, uh, just some practical things that, that I thought about at the, end of this, uh, the beginning of this year. Don't, you know, don't make 10 goals for yourself or like 20 goals or something impossible like that. You know, think of something realistic. You know, pick like three, pick two, maybe even pick one, but you know it's going to be a big challenge for you. Just start with one. You know, start off with something realistic. Start off with something that, you know, you can put your whole focus on and you can fight, you know? Because if you do 10 and you try to tackle 10 things at once, it's impossible. Because realistically... Uh, who here has heard that it takes? Who, who's heard that it takes 21 days to develop a good habit? 21 days. You've all heard that. That's a lie. You know. You know how that was created. 21 days. Uh, there was a, a surgeon in the 60s, and what he did was he operated, had a limb cut off. I forgot the word for that. There's a amputated. They had to have their limb amputated, their limb. And pretty much what he noticed is on average, it takes 21 days for them to get used to using you know, to doing everyday things with with the rest of their limbs. Now realistically, I wouldn't really say that's a good habit, that's just a good statistic but that doesn't necessarily mean that's that's how long it's going to take to make a good habit. Now scientists nowadays, this was in the 60's, nowadays scientists are saying it's not 21, it's not 28, it's not 18, those are all numbers. It takes about 60, 66, it takes about 60 days to fully develop. So if we even look at this mathematically, it takes two months to develop one good habit or break a bad habit. Two, two whole months. Now, if we are going to be like absolute robots who do everything perfectly and don't ever mess up, because as soon as you mess up, you know, you got to start doing the 60 days again because you got to make it a habit. So mathematically, you can, if you're a robot, you can do six goals a year mathematically. None of us are robots, except maybe for Dennis, who keeps waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning for like 3 years. He might be the only robot. So realistically, we're not robots. We're going to mess up. So that's why I'm saying it's good to take one or take three or you know, even take you know, make one goal for yourself. When you beat it, however long it takes, make another one. You don't have to wait till the New Year starts to make goals for yourself. You know, we always need to keep growing. We always need to keep uh, moving up. It you know? doesn't necessarily have to be on New Year's. So... And get accountable. When you make goals, get accountable. Get accountable. Get somebody to breathe down your neck every single day and say, Hey, how, how are you doing with this? How are you doing? What's going on with your life? Why, why, why are you starting to slack off? You know, get accountable. <clears throat> Another thing is, uh, you know, we have emotions. And those emotions like to control us sometimes. In this case, we do have to be like robots. You know, we have to not let the emotions get to us. You know, we got to be like, I don't know, like bulldozers. Just, you know, going through no matter what situation is, no matter what's in front of us, you know, keep going. Because, you know, a lot of people say, you know, oh, my life is so overwhelming. I heard this awesome phrase today. When you say it's overwhelming, don't forget that it's not about you. It's about Him. You know, it's overwhelming for you, but it's not about you. We're not living for ourselves. You know, we're living for God. So overwhelming, it's difficult. That that, that shouldn't influence how our lives are. You know, in those moments, you know, we should even, even you know, be going into overdrive. Because in those moments, you know, we're, we're hungry for God the most. And stay focused on the big picture. Once again, with, that, with those emotions, just forget how you're feeling. Forget what's going on. Just think about the fact that in three years, you're going to be better off because you fought with us right now. In three years, you're going to be looking back and you're, and you're going to be saying, Thank you, God, that I finally was able to move on from that point in my life. You know, because, uh, or we can end up like Esau, uh, you know, who just sold his birthright for some beans because he was hungry you know you just sell what we have you, you you know his emotions got the best of him he was hungry he was hungry and he just okay I don't need my birthright I'm hungry I want some beans you know we don't want that you know we need to grow we need to grow my that, that's what today is about it's about growing and what I called uh this sermon or message I called this it's time to eat meat now Amen. it's time to eat meat now there's this one song uh, it's called man up I don't remember most of that song, but all I know is uh, at one point in that song, the, the, the guy says, leave the cookies alone, it's time to eat meat now. You know, leave the cookies alone, it's time to eat meat now. And let's, let's open up to Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to be in the Word today because, you know, the Word is what changes us. I don't believe that people's opinions and people's philosophies, they change us. You know, the Word changes us. Hebrews uh, chapter 5 verses 11 through 14. I'm going to be going kind of fast because there's a lot I'm going to try to say today. So write down the scripture, if anything, you can open back up to it later. So Hebrews 5.11. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Who here wants to be mature? That's my main goal for this year. Get more mature. Get more in the word of God. Get more mature about things. Uh, Paul here says that someone who is mature is someone who has the skill to recognize between what's right and what's wrong. So when a person is mature, he is able to recognize the difference between what is spiritual and what is unspiritual. What is clean and what is unclean. What is right and what is wrong. That's one of the... uh, qualities of being mature is when you can tell the difference. Now another quality in uh, Ephesians 4:13 if we can open up there Ephesians 4:13 Ephesians 4:13 until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of new teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So the first quality is you're able to tell the difference between right and wrong. The second quality, it says here, when you become mature, is you become firm. You become firm in what you believe in. You stop being waved around. You stop being funky. You become firm. You know what you believe in, and you know there's nothing that can uh, take you off that track because you're firm, because you're strong. Because like Alexei was saying, you know, you're not building your foundation on sand. You're not making your life out of a sandcastle. You're, You're building on a rock. You're using solid material so that when the water comes, you won't be knocked down. When you become mature, you become firm. You become firm. So you have the skills to recognize right and wrong, and you become firm. Now, one more place, Colossians 4.12. Colossians 4.12, and then somewhere in the middle of that verse, I believe. It says, So that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So you can stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So you're able to recognize the difference between right and wrong. The reason I'm repeating this is so it gets all up in your head. The difference between right and wrong. You become firm, not being tossed by every wind of new teaching. And you'll be fully assured of the will of God. When you're mature, you know what the will of God is in your life for that moment. You know, obviously we don't know what's in the future, what God has for us in the future. But for the moment, we'll be able to know that we're in the will of God when we are mature. So those three qualities, I believe that every single Christian needs them if they want to survive in this world. Because if you can't tell the difference between right and wrong, you're going to be uh, committing foolish things over and over and over again and you'll never have growth in your life. You know, we need to be firm in what we believe in so that, you know, when persecution comes and when difficult times come, you know, we we don't start throwing God under the bus and we don't start, you know, living for ourselves. We need to be firm in what we believe. We need to be confident that God can uh, help us make it through no matter what situation we're in. Amen? Amen. And then we need to know God's will. We need to know God's will. We read in our, in our Bibles, it says uh, uh, it says those who, who, only those who fulfill God's will are going to get to heaven pretty much. That's in Matthew seven twenty one. I think we read that yesterday, Matthew 7. It says pretty much the only ones who make it into heaven are the ones who live according to God's will. Because Jesus said there's going to be people come, coming up to me and saying, Jesus, Jesus, I did this in your name, I did this. And he's going to say, I don't know you. Because you know what? You can do good deeds and not be in the will of God you guys know that? You can do good deeds. You can serve in church. You can do a lot of things, but still not be in the will of God. You can be faithful coming every Sunday, every Friday. But if you lose your first love and you're not in the will of God, you got nothing. Because when it says in Revelation, when God was speaking to the church in Ephesus, he said, you guys did everything right. You guys got rid of all evil. You guys purified yourselves. You guys made sure that you're doing the right things, but you lost the main message. You guys lost it. You lost your first love. You got, you know, you guys killed your pride. You guys somehow became humble, but you lost your first love. They did everything right. If you make a checklist of the right things we need to do, they did every single thing. But they missed a very important thing that's maybe not, even, not written on that checklist, but it's common sense. The first love. The first love. That's what we need to keep holding on to. And if we don't have that, it doesn't matter how many good deeds we're going to do. That's what it means when it says, when you're mature, you'll know God's will in your life. Because when you, you know, when you open up the word, you can open it up just like a, a textbook in your school. You can open it up just like any other book. Or you can open it up as if it's the word of God. As if it's food. As if it's water, it's breath in your lungs. It's what you need to survive. It's what you need to live. Now, the big question tonight is, how do we get mature? You know, you said all these awesome things. That's awesome. You know, how do I get this? How do we do this? I don't know. I'm 19. But here's what God spoke to me. Here's, here's, here's what he said. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because I'm working on it myself. We're all, we're all going at this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It seems like in, in every single one of Paul's letters, he's calling people to be more mature, and he's calling people to grow up. 1 Corinthians 3.1, verses 1 through 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world, or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. So one way to become mature, if you're taking notes, the first way to become mature, stop being controlled by your sinful nature. Stop being controlled by your sinful nature. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect and you're, and you're never going to get bad thoughts in your head. We're always going to get sinful thoughts. It's all, Satan's always going to try to creep into us with our past. He's always going to try to creep in with our weaknesses. But you know what? We can choose to be controlled by it or we can choose to control it. We can choose to let it affect us or we can choose to, to become the master over it with God's help and, you know, get it out of our lives. That's what it means to not be a slave to our sinful nature. That, that, that's what we're talking about, you know, more of you, less of me, God. That's not just something we learned at summer camp. That's something we need for the rest of our lives. Every single day, God, more of you, less of me. I noticed, I, I, I just started thinking about it. Man, every time I pray, that's like the first thing that comes out of my mouth. Before I start, you know, getting into God, bless this, bless this, bless this. No, God, more of you, more of you, more of you. You know, stay focused on that. That's how you'll have a great chance of holding on to your first love. When you just focus on that, it's God, it's all about you. It's not about me. It's overwhelming. It's hard, but it's all about you. It's all about you you know cuz uh, we, we read this week in uh, Genesis 16:12 you guys don't have to open there but in Genesis 16:12 it was the story where a Sarah comes up to Abraham after God promised him to give him a kid and Sarah's like you know what I can't have kids you know why don't you just take my servant you know have a son and he'll and you know what that son Ishmael that was not God's will in Abraham's life that was not God's will that is a moment where even the great Abraham was for a split second controlled by a sinful nature for a split second. And the reason I believe God, God allowed these things to happen is so that we can read back at them and look back and not make the same foolish mistakes. And, and they have this son, Ishmael. And I stayed up till 3 o'clock in the morning last night. I, I told Shura. And I was just reading about Ishmael's son sons. He had 12 sons. And I read about every single one of them. I found this one website, and it says the history of every single son. You click on the son, it tells you where they were living, where they, and then some of them didn't, he didn't have the information, so I had to, like, Google it and search for this one son, and, you know, you get on, like, Google page 14, and you're like, man, what am I doing here? Because there's, like, no good information there. But, you know, I did these research. Every single one of his sons, you know, where, you know where they are in the world right now? They're still alive. They're not just dead. You know where they are right now? They are Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Uh, Syria, uh, Egypt, all those countries, those are Ishmael's sons. And you look at it, and you're like, man, that's what happens when you let your sinful nature control you. It doesn't just kind of, you know, kind of happen and then God forgets. No, man, if you don't watch it, if you don't kill it, it's going to grow. And you know what? I, I, I've thought about it, and I've thought about, you know, the world's history. I can't think of one good thing that any of those countries did for the world. There's not one thing that they actually did to help people live, to help. Pe- they did nothing. All they bring is war. All they bring is terror. I'm not saying all Muslims are bad. You know, there's good Muslims. You know, our neighbors, they're from, uh, they're from Iran, I believe. They're from Iran. Some of the nicest people I ever met, realistically. They're just nice people, so I'm not saying they're all like this, but I'm saying generally as a country, that's what you see. You see hate towards God's people. You see hate towards Christians. You see just hate. That's all they really got. That's what happens when the sinful nature takes control. You know, when when uh, the angels destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and they let Lot go with his daughters, you know, what happened? His daughters are like, oh, we're not going to have any kids. We're not gonna. They did something terrible they did something disgusting they had kids by their father and those kids moab and ben ami those those guys became the uh, moabites and the ammonites and those two countries and those two tribes where they lived that's actually the country of jordan today and you see the same thing happens when you let your flesh take over when you let these things just happen in your life you just see horrible chaos also, did some research about Noah's sons and how they traveled across the world. And pretty much when they were building the, the Tower of Babylon and God confused their language, pretty much what happened was a, kind of like each son, since they kind of had their own language and they were kind of, they started migrating in different parts of the world. You know, Ham, the one who was cursed, he actually he started going south, south from that place. And that's, you know, the land of Africa today. You know, and Tanya was there, you know, and I've read, a, you know, it's just cursed right there, realistically. So much magic, so much voodoo, it's just cursed. You know, Africa needs, the, Africa needs light. It's just cursed because that one poor decision that Ham made, a little decision, and now the whole continent is cursed. You know, the sons of uh, uh, Japheth, they went uh, to the north and to the east. They kind of took over the uh, parts of Asia and Europe up there. And, you know, and one, one of uh, Japheth's sons was Magog. And Magog is like technically Russia, if you think about it. You know, if you do some research, I'm not going to get into it. It's, it's kind of like Russia. And in Revelation it says there's going to be some dude named Gog, and he's going to come out of Magog. And, you know, it, Armageddon, man. It's crazy. And then, also, and, then, and then in Revelation, it also says that the army is going to have about 200 million soldiers. What two countries can realistically have two million soldiers? America only has three million people living in it. What countries can realistically have two million soldiers? China, India. They're overpopulated. And that's where uh, Japheth is and those two sons. I don't forget their names. It's, you know In Revelation, it specifically says it says Magog, and then it says two other people. And you look at it in history, it's just, you know, the word of God is coming to life in front of us. Because he didn't have the blessing. Shem got the blessing. Shem got the blessing. And even in the storyline of Shem, you know, later off it splits into Ishmael and Isaac. Splits. So even when you make one right decision in your life, that doesn't mean you're set forever. That doesn't mean one saved, forever saved. You know, you got to keep making the right decision. Another way, how do we become more mature? Uh, Be less and less like the world. Let's open up to Romans chapter 12. I think every single time I'm going to preach for the rest of my life, I'm going to somehow open up Romans chapter 12. I don't know. We just got stuck on that thing in our, in our Bible group. See, because we're reading chapter 13 right now, we're like flying through it. We could read four chapters last Tuesday, or four, four verses last Tuesday. I'm sorry. When we were on chapter 12, we, we were lucky to finish one. If we finished one, we're like, thank you, Jesus, we're almost done with this thing. Romans chapter 12, verses, uh, verses 1 and 2. These are verses that a lot of us should know by heart already, realistically. Not even not just those who are in our group. They should just know this by heart. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will... Learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing and perfect. So when we become mature, we know what God's will is. For us to know God's will, we have to not be like this world. We have to not be like this world. We have to become more and more different than this world. I, I, uh, th- this guy at work, he was talking to me about uh, Sunday's football game that none of us watched, right? None of us watched? None of us watched, right? And he talked to us about that game, and he talked to me about that game on Sunday. He's like, oh, it was the best game. And I'm sure it was the best game because I kept looking up the score on my phone and getting Dennis mad every five seconds until that even became stepping over Overland, and I'm like, I'm done. But it would have been a really good game to watch realistically, a really good game, probably the best game of the season to watch realistically. I'm so happy I sacrificed that. Really. You know, you start being like David where you start seeing the beauty in the law. You start seeing the beauty of the covenant, of the commandments, you start seeing the beauty of all these rules, because you know what we got to sacrifice that, uh, that 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 game we got to all hang out in the buffet and eat as much as we wanted. You know when we make sacrifices in our life, God always blesses us. He always blesses us. you know who here likes eating meat? Come on, I know Shura, Shura and Rus are raising their hands higher than anybody. We like eating meat, we don't need milk and cookies anymore we're too old for milk and cookies milk and cookies is when we're you know like six years old you know no it's not even it's like at three years old we got to start eating meat realistically if we had to choose one for the rest of our lives we need meat it gives us protein it tastes better it gives us protein it gives us energy tastes better come on we need meat that's that's just reality we need it amen Amen. We need that meat in our lives. Now, uh, who here has passed the ninth grade? Okay, a lot of people. Okay, I'm going to uh, give you a simple uh, ninth grade equation. Shura, if you could uh, write it down, actually, it's very simple. And just put it up on the screen. It's the letter R, and then times the letter T, and then equals D. Who, who remembers what that is? Who remember? Yell it out if you remember what that is. Rate times time equals different. There you go. Rate times time equal, equals distance. Now, if we apply this simple equation in our lives, let's see. So for the time, we all have one lifetime, right? We don't get two, we don't get three. Let's say we're, we'll all just live till 70. Just solid. Uh, in, let's even say 50. You know, they're going to try to get us because we, we're going after Jesus. They're going to try to get us. So let's say for the time, we'll have 50. So now the equation looks like R times 50 equals D. Equals D. Now, uh, for those of you who have passed the ninth grade, this is very simple math. To get D, you know, the, what you're going to get for D is dependent on what R is going to be. The rate at how fast you go is going to show you the distance that you went. For the time, we all have one lifetime. Now, we can choose to go at a slow, steady pace in our lives, and we're going to get a short distance. Or we can choose to go at a fast pace. We can choose to fully go after God. And then, you know, let's even just take simple numbers. Let's say for the rate, we're just doing uh, enough to get by. We're doing enough to get by. Uh, uh, an average grade in school is a D. That's just a complete average. So that's 60%. Sixty percent. So let's say we're just doing enough to get by, so we can graduate high school. So, R is sixty. Sixty times fifty. Three hundred. Okay, you get three hundred maturity points in your life. Congratulations. Now, fifty times sixty. Oh yeah, thirty is there. You're right. See, see, I've, it's been a while since I've been in the ninth grade. I'm trying to sound all smart up here, and I'm making mistakes. <laughs> let's say for the rate. You know, we're going fully after God. We're going 100. 100 times 50. 50,000. See, so you made the. No, it is 5,000. You're right. You're right. I tried to get you. I tried to get you. This Lord's be a robot. So we got 5,000 maturity points versus 3,000 maturity points. I might even just say this just to be fun. Jesus says the limit is 3,001. Oh, you just missed it. He says to get into heaven you got to get 3001 maturity points. Oh, just missed it. Now you have to suffer for all eternity. Well, realistically, Jesus says, you know, you got to get 5000 points to make it. That was just a joke. You got to get 5000 points to make it into heaven cuz you have to be in the will of God. To get into the will of God, you have to be fully going after God. To get those 5000 points, your rate has to be 100. You got to be going 100%. Anything lower, it's it's not going to work. Because that distance that we go, that's going to determine whether God's going to use us to speak to people. That distance that we go is going to determine whether God's going to use us to heal people, whether he's going to prophesy through us, whether he's going to use us for his glory, whether we're going to be in his will or not. The third thing, to get more mature. This is the most important thing, I think, out of all of them. So first one, all, want we'll to stop being controlled by our sinful nature. Be less like the world. Third one, be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. If you want to become mature, be like Jesus. If you want to grow up, be like Jesus. I don't think I've seen anybody more mature than Jesus. Seems like he never even left. So sometimes he went to somebody's house and they had a gathering. I'm sure, you know, he, you know there were times where he kind of had good times too. You know, every, you know, for everything, there's a season. Zemo was telling me that on Tuesday. For every single thing in your life, there's a season. There's time to work and there's time to play and there's time to work there's time to play be like Jesus in Leviticus 11:14, 14 God said be holy because I am holy holiness is having no sin holiness is just perfection that's something we gotta go with the rest of our lives to try to get be holy like I am holy those were God's words that's not just something I'm making up right now God said that himself in Luke 9.23, Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, take your cross daily. Jesus had those same emotions we're having. Jesus had those same feelings. He killed all that. All that was nailed to his hands on the cross. Everything, he just forgot about it all, and he's like, you know what? i got to do this task. i got to finish this race. i got to go 100%. I can't go any, 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 any less. There's people who are dependent on me. There's people who are hungry to get right with God. And if I make a poor decision right now, I might be the reason that they don't get God. I might be the reason that those people in Africa are dying. I might be the reason that those people in India are dying. Maybe it's my calling to go there and start a ministry. I'm going to lose it. It's going to be my fault. Take your cross daily. Don't look at at what you're feeling. Don't look at at what you're capable of or not. Once again, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. Don't look at oh! I can only do this, and I can't. I'm not a good public. Pe- I'm not a good public speaker. Zima is making me come out here and speak publicly. I don't like this. I never liked this in school. I always, I was always the guy who had the slideshow running. And if you look at the third slide, you can see that the, what I wrote. Please read it. I, I wanted to get rid of it. I I hated being watched by people. I can do all things through Christ. We can do all things through Christ. In Matthew 5, Jesus raised the bar. If we can actually open up to Matthew 5. We read that on uh, Sunday Sunday and Monday. Yes, yeah, Sunday we read the first half of it. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 22. It says... Actually, let's start from verse 21. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. And this is Jesus saying, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before court. And if you curse someone, you are in the dangers of the fires of hell. I watched a very powerful video today about how the church has become so perverted that nobody talks about hell anymore. What are we going to be talking about hell right now? Pretty much if you're not in the will of God, you're going to hell. There's no purgatory. There's no middle ground. You're going to hell. Now, the commandment is don't murder. Why is Jesus saying when you get angry, you've already broken the commandment? He's raising the bar. He's raising the bar. Zemo, when he was preaching last week, he raised the bar on a lot of things for this year. He said, we're going to start doing this. We're going to stop being foolish. We're going to stop wasting time. He raised the bar. And I, and, I, and I remember sitting there, man, and some, I don't know, my flesh, some rebellion just started rising in me. And I'm like, man, why are we raising the standards up again? I barely just made it last year. Now we have to, And you know, and, and you start getting this. And then, and then he's like, you, don't, you ain't watching on football on Sunday. And I'm like, whoo. And then I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I ain't watching no football on Sunday. I ain't doing all this stuff. I'm, I'm going to raise the bar. Because when you read this, you see Jesus kept raising the bar. All Zima did was the same thing that Jesus did. He raised the bar. He said, you know what? This, this used to be fine. This was fine a year ago. Now it's not anymore. We got to grow. We got to get somewhere. We want to be sent. We're saying, here I am, send me. This is the coal. This is the coal that's going to be on your lips. You got to raise this bar. You got you to gotta do something more. It's not enough to stay on the same level. It's not the same. In, uh, in uh, verse 27 and 28, it says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who looks at a woman with lust.'" has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Once again, he's raising the standards. Raising the bar. Raising the bar more and more. It's not enough to just raise it in one thing. He's raising it all over the place. He's saying, this is wrong. This is wrong. You guys missed the whole point of the commandments. Now I got to, you know, get specific with you. Because you guys are like kids. You guys are like infants and you need milk. Raising the bar. That's how we start growing in our life. That's how we start seeing... You know, things just start changing in our lives. And verse 37 is like the biggest hit of them all. I say, he just says, just let a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Just let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. And you're thinking, man, what does that even mean? What do you mean, let my yes be yes? You know, tell the truth, just in case somebody didn't get Tell the truth. You know, when you say you'll do something, do it. Unless, you know, it's life or death situation, and you realistically... No, but that's, you know, very rare occasions. When you say, yes, I will, let it mean, yes, I will. When you say, no, I won't, let it mean, no, I won't. And you're and you're like, man, Jesus, what are you doing? You're going to drive these people away from you. You keep raising the bar. You keep... People kept coming to him. He's telling them, go away. They keep coming. He's saying, you're going to go to hell if you keep doing it. They keep coming back to him. That's like here, we keep telling you guys, you know, don't do the foolish. You guys keep coming back we're looking at some of you and we're like man get out of here but you keep coming because you know that's the truth you know that's what you need in your life you know you know that's more than anything and you're like man if i lose this little ounce of this that i have i'm going to be completely lost but you got to go 100 percent i'm telling you it's not enough to just fly under the radar it's not enough to just make it you got to go you got to be in god's will doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be in church 24 7 sir maybe your calling is just to sit at home all day and just pray you know i'm i heard all these stories about how revival started they all started with prayer i didn't hear of any revival that didn't start with prayer they all start this dude decided uh joel was talking about it uh in, in uh california the revival azusa street how much was the dude praying each day so yeah, he started with six hours, then he's like, nah, eh, that's not enough. I'm going to pray eight hours now. Who here prays eight hours a day? Who here prays six hours a day? That's why we don't see revival. But we will. Amen. We will. We will see revival. It's coming. Because, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed, we start praying more and more. You know, Sundays, we, it's almost, it's, in September, it'll be three years, right, that we've been having prayer. Or is it four years already? Three years. Two? Solid years of praying pretty much every Sunday. Even if something's going on, homie goes in that back room with some, they still pray. Before service, we got prayer. Uh, And, you know, in our personal lives, we're praying more and more about our youth. I don't know about you guys. that's, That's how it's like with me. We're praying more and more. We're gathering together in a group. We start praying about our youth. We start doing this when we start praying about our youth. You know, we're praying, God bless this food. God also bless the youth. And, you know, there's more and more prayer. You know, it's coming. Revival's coming. But we got to make sure that we're ready. we got to make sure that we're going to be used. we got to make sure that, you know, when we say, God, here I am, send me. He's not like, dude, you're not ready to go. You're still drinking milk. I have to feed you with milk. We don't want that. You know, we want to be like, God, I'm ready to go. And he's, go. Go here. Go, go, go there. Do this. Say this. Prophesy this. Heal this person. Do this. Do that. Perform this miracle. Go do this. We're getting there. Not all of us, but we're getting there. I want all of us to make it. I want all of us to, you know, when you got one person, you know, doing a hundred tasks, and we, when you got a hundred people doing a hundred tasks, the hundred people are going to be a lot more productive. They're going to get a lot more work done. You know, one more. No, not one more. In uh, Genesis... Uh, chapter 19. You guys don't have to open there either. It's uh, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah when it got destroyed. And, you know, when those two angels were at Lot's house, and, you know, it says all of the men tried to get in, and you guys know the story. I don't want to talk about that. You know, in, uh, in verse 12, the angels are telling Lot, they're like, Lot, go grab your sons. Go grab your sons-in-law. Go grab your daughters. Go grab your wife. Get out of here. What does Lot do? He goes to his daughter's fiancés, And he tells them, he's like, God's going to destroy the city. We got to get out of here. And they just laughed at him. They just laughed. The second time, I don't know if you guys noticed this. The second time, you know what the angel says? He says, grab your two daughters and your wife and get out of here. He didn't say anything about the sons and the sons-in-law that time. You know what's interesting? It says all the men were at Lot's door. That means those two sons-in-laws were most likely there too. God was faithful to his promise to Abraham. He tried to find ten righteous people. He tried, you know, finding, even though they weren't righteous, even though they were wicked, he was still faithful to his promise to that point. But at one point, he's like, you know, enough is enough. I can't put up with them anymore. They're laughing out. Grab grab your two daughters and and, and wife and get out of here. And they were destroyed and killed in the fire. God's going to put up with us to a certain extent. If you keep bringing home these, your parents are going to take it to a certain extent. And then they're going to be like, dude. Get off my couch, go get a job, get out of here. Some of you are maybe too young to understand that, but just know that that's how it works realistically. If you've got good parents that love you, they're like, oh, it's okay, you lost your job, well, just just sit at the couch, just wait. No. Go out and go work. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl. If you're lazy, there's no room in the kingdom of God for laziness. There's no room. We gotta be hard workers, we gotta go. We gotta go. One more place. Ephesians chapter four. This is uh, I just feel like, I don't know. Reading this, I felt like you know what? It's like Paul wrote this to the Ephesians. Yes, but he wrote this to Isaiah six eight. I don't know. Chapter four, verse seventeen. And we're gonna read verse seventeen, and we're gonna read all the way down to verse thirty one. And then, then and then we're gonna pray. Or verse thirty two, sorry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. If you don't have a Bible, just listen very carefully. And imagine Paul just uh, writing this to us and us reading this letter for the very first time. Just try to receive something from it. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander away from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Jesus has forgiven you. I don't know, when I read that, it just... It's like God just spoke that into my life. I don't know, it's like, that's what I need. That's what we all need. We need to grow. We need to, to keep moving ahead. We don't, you know, we don't have time to mess around anymore. We, have, we don't have time to just joke around all the time and do all that silly stuff, foolish stuff. We don't have time for that. You know, we got to grow up. We, gotta, we just got to get more like Jesus. We got to start doing the things he did. We got to start saying the things that he said. Even if it makes somebody uncomfortable, even if it makes somebody, you know, if it hurts somebody's feelings. You know, when we when we pervert the word of God to try to, you know, be in the right relationship with people, we're doing the same thing Judas did. We're selling Jesus for some silver coins. We're perverting the truth. We're perverting what we know is true. We're perverting what we know we need to tell people. We're trying to get them to like us. We're just selling him out right now. We're just betraying him. We're stabbing him in the back. It's time to move forward. It's time to do something with our lives. You know, 2009 was great. We had our first kids camp in 2009. 2010 was great. You know, uh, you know, leaders started rising up in this youth. 2011 was great. You know, we had our first camp. We somehow, you know, miraculously got a name for our youth. And it fits and it sticks. And I don't know, looking at this logo, I'm still not annoyed by it. I don't know. At one point, I almost got annoyed. Almost. And then, I don't know. It's like I look at it and I'm like, you know what? We built this. We built this. God helped us build this. God gave us a revelation. We're going after something. We're not just fighting against air. 2012 was awesome. We had two camps. We had all these amazing things happen. You know, we need to keep growing. We need to keep going. Like I said on New Year's, you know, I want to stand here in five years and, you know, keep saying, you know, in 2013 we did this, 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 this. In 2014 we did this, this, this. In 2015 I got to start getting a paper out because I'm forgetting all the things we did. You know, we got to, go, we got to grow. We got to grow. We can't eat, eat milk and cookies anymore. It's time to eat meat. It's time to accept the truth the way it is. You know, we're not going to chew your food for you. We're going to tell you as it is. You know, let's, uh, let's stand up right now. Just, uh, you know, this is something we all need. Every single one of us. There are no exceptions for this. There are no, no, no people who are righteous on their own. There's none of that. We all need this maturity. We all need this in our lives. We all need to grow. We all need to throw off our sinful nature. We all need to become firm. We all need to know God's will for our lives. Every single one of us. And you know, like I said before, the rate at which you go is going to determine the distance that you went. And you know what? That rate, you have the choice. You have that choice to make. The time is already set for us. There's nothing we can do about the time. But the rate is what you have control over today. The rate is what you have control over, whether you're going to be just trying to get by and be liked by everybody and serve two masters, Which is just going to end up blowing up in your face, anyways, at one point. Or you're going to fully go after God and you're going to be hungry for His will and you're going to be hungry for completing the task that He created you to do. You know, Paul said, run this race. Running is a fast pace. He didn't say walk. If you walk, you're not going to win a race. You're not going to get anywhere if you walk. You're going to get last place. You're going to be humiliated. You got to run. You gotta run to get the prize. We gotta grow. We gotta. It's it's time to you know stop all these all this foolishness. We gotta grow.